What up, F.A. Nation? Justin Fensterman here, and it's time for another episode of the Family Times Podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. But no, I am not alone. Let me introduce to you the stars of the show. First, Matt Sells, all over that content, everywhere, and making sure your boys started fives are getting up there too, Sells. Much love for you. And then... Ryan Hallam as well. Those game previews, Hallam, we're ready, man. Just because it's playoffs and maybe our fantasy football regular season is over doesn't mean we can't win all that coin this weekend. It's wild card weekend, guys. Not only do we have, you know, DFS, of course, is still hot and heavy with wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend with six games uh, this weekend with the extra team going to the NFL playoffs. But, of course... You know, everyone's really into these playoff challenges. You know, you have some, you have the NFL.com where, you you know, you try to set uh, weeks in advance so you get the the multiplier points. My Fantasy League has some as well. I know Sells, you're in a couple this week. So I think it's important we go over some uh, NFL playoff content for those, not only in DFS, but in those playoff contests as well. Yeah, I mean, it's perfectly well said. I think every year the playoff uh leagues get more and more popular um especially this year because there's the additional team in each conference that made the playoffs um so yeah i mean and it also benefits you because you have more people more players playing this weekend than you typically do because there's only one team on by in each conference normally there's two so you get more dfs fun you get more uh you know fantasy football in the playoffs either best ball or in these um you know, these playoff leagues that are each set up differently. Um, I am in one that is set your roster by kickoff time of the first game on Saturday, and then you let it ride. There's no waivers. Wow. There's no uh, whatever. So you lose players, you lose players, and you can only pick one player from each team. So there's quite a bit of strategy involved here because um, you have to pick a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, four flex, a tight end, a kicker, and a defense. So it's a full roster, only one player per team. You ready for this, Cells? You ready for this? So I'm in a league like that, too, where you set it right before kickoff of the first game, but there aren't any pickups or any, and there's no one player per team or anything like that. So if I want to stack a team... I can. There are also weekly payouts, which are enticing as well for you to not go after those teams with the buy. So I'm in a league that doesn't have any kind of, you know, one player per team. I know that FFPC has contests like that. But in this particular one, if I want to stack a team, I can. But guys, remember, you stack a team and you happen to lose that team. You're out half your roster. And that's the risk you take, because if for some reason... You stack the Chiefs, which is going to be a very popular move. It's the chalk move. Why the hell not? They take a dump. Not only are you screwed, but probably, what, 70 75% of your league is immediately out of it. Probably. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I do think the Chiefs have a couple of, of good uh, competitors this year. I think the Ravens have really turned their season around or, or getting real red hot coming into the season and, and probably the hottest AFC team coming into the playoffs is definitely Buffalo Bills. Obviously the, the AFC champion uh, playoffs go through Buffalo, but I think Baltimore, you know, although they, they, you know, put the big yeah, diary in the bed yeah. last year against Tennessee. Uh, I, I think they're still a solid team and, and the and Josh Allen and the bills are coming in really, really hot. So the AFC 
you know, they're very top heavy. I think those three teams are, are the three to contend with. But I don't think, you know, Kansas City has necessarily a, an open, you know, uh, golden road to the to the Super Bowl. No, I agree with you. Last year we saw them play um, Tennessee, and Tennessee got up on them early and then basically couldn't stop them down the stretch when the uh, Chiefs went on their patented runs there um, and just lit up the scoreboard. That one, what they put up, what, 51 points on Tennessee, I think? After being down something like 17 nothing or 21-3 or something like that. Um, so I think Tennessee could pose a problem for them because uh, the Chiefs can't really stop the run right now, and that's obviously what the Chief, what the Titans, um, you know, excel in. And then Ryan Tannehill, you, they can basically win a game any way they want to. Um, the problem is Tennessee's defense doesn't really stop anybody, so that could be tricky. But all it takes is stopping... The Chiefs, like, maybe three possessions, and your offense just puts up at least some points, and you've got a shot. Um, Buffalo, coming in really, really hot. Here's a nice little fact for you. The previous times that Buffalo has won 13 games in a season, uh, which is twice before, they've made the Super Bowl both times they've done that. Um, so, And the Bills played the Chiefs really tight in Buffalo earlier this year. It was in that rain game. Uh, you know, it was kind of sloppy, but the Chiefs pulled it out. It was pretty close. So I'd agree with you. I'm not sure I believe the Ravens are that big of a challenge simply because Lamar Jackson's like 0-4 facing the Chiefs in his career. Every time they face the Chiefs, the Chiefs apparently have figured out their game plan. And um, so we'll see. I mean, it is, it does seem to be a resurgent Raven squad, however – Lamar Jackson won the league MVP last year, and they were still shut down pretty pretty well uh, by the Chiefs. So I'd agree with you that those are the top three in the AFC. Um, I don't really see the Colts or the Steelers uh, or the Browns really making much of moves. I mean, obviously some of them are going to advance this weekend, but past that, I, I don't think they're real threats. Guys, how much of a disadvantage do you think it will be with the Browns' current situation with Stefanski with COVID away from the team? How much of a true disadvantage do you think it is? Because you noticed there was a little bit of line movement after that, which, I mean, kind of surprised me. I know he's not right there, but aren't we at the point in 2021 with technology that you can he can easily still communicate through a chain of command, the plays for the most part, maybe not every single one, but he can still communicate efficiently. Yeah. I mean, I think it may actually be an advantage to the Browns because this is going to sound, it might sound a little odd to say that, right? Cause they've got 17 people on a COVID list, including their head coach. But here's the thing. The Browns just played the Steelers, right? Like literally just played them last week. Now they're going to, you know, go and play in Pittsburgh but here's the thing. Maybe you get a little bit different play calling, maybe some new wrinkles because you don't have your head coach in there gives a slightly different look. I mean, we all know what the Browns are going to do. They're going to run the ball down, try to run the ball down the Steelers throat and then rely on Baker to make the key plays when he needs to make them. But I think it actually comes as like a motivating um, thing. Like, Hey guys, we haven't made the playoffs in 18 years and now we get hit with this. Let's all come together, get stronger you know, work more together than maybe we ordinarily would. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference, and here's why. 
like like Matt just said, the Browns haven't made the playoffs in 18 years. The Steelers are a habitual playoff team. Ben Roethlisberger has been in the playoffs almost his entire career. And you know what the Browns are really bad at? Defending the pass. They've given up 31 touchdowns through the air this year. Guess what the Steelers are really good at? Throwing the ball. <laughs> if the Browns are a really good running defense. Guess what the Steelers don't do? Run the ball. So, and here's the do we really trust Baker Mayfield, this asshole in his first playoff game, or the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, who's been in the playoffs his entire career? This entire Steelers team has been in the playoffs basically every year since I was like 21, or this Cleveland team that's been the laughing stock of the NFL for the last 15 years kind of backed into the playoffs, has half their roster on the COVID, <laughs> including their head coach, or do we trust the Steelers who are in the play basically live in the playoffs? Kevin Stefanski, they could have Jesus on the COVID list right now in Cleveland, and I don't think it's gonna matter. I I, I think it you know I know they played the Steelers last week, but one it was Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Two, I don't think the Steelers played hard at all in an attempt to win that game. I don't think they did anything to to try to be Steelers football last week. I think they completely just slept walked through the game. They still only lost by two. And I, I think the, the Steelers are just going to absolutely mop the floor with the Browns this week. I don't think it's going to be all that close. I don't I think know, man. Walk through this one. The Steelers have been walking through the last month and a half of the season. They started eleven and zero, right? What's their record? Twelve and four. So they went one and four in their last five games, and they had a healthy offense for basically that entire time. They still couldn't pass the ball, no matter who the hell they were playing. Deontay Johnson leads the league in dropped passes. Uh, Juju that, that didn't stop him. That didn't stop him for getting targeted a. No, 144 targets. targets this year. Yeah, which is why I put him on my FFPC <laughs> fantasy <laughs> roster yeah. my lone stealer. But Juju hasn't been Juju basically all year, right? And if you come into a game and you know a team cannot run the ball, right? We know the Steelers can't run the ball. They haven't had more than 50 yards rushing in like nine straight games. So guess what's going to happen? The linebackers don't have to play the run. They can double up tight ends. They can chip block the guys coming out of the slot. They can disrupt the passing game. And Ben Roethlisberger hasn't looked like a Hall of Fame Ben Roethlisberger in like six weeks. He's fending off talk of, oh, are you going to retire? Well, guess what? Maybe he does because he's 38 years old, can't stay healthy, can't throw a football down the field. And like you said, the Steelers have been there Every single year, they're not hungry, right? I mean, they're eleven and zero. They coasted in, and I don't think you can say Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the ball. He was throwing it all over the goddamn place until recently. He's got Juju. He's got Deontay. He's got Chase Claypool. He's got James Washington on a little bit. Eric Ebron over the middle. I mean, there's just an embarrassment of riches for the Steelers. I think they just kind of coasted after they just got up to a ridiculous start. And they almost lost the division. Had they lost one of those additional games and lost to the Browns last week? Like they did the Browns or AFC North champs instead of the wild card team. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about coasting? Okay, but they had the Ravens and the Browns. And who who gives a damn about winning the division, by the way? It's like, who cares? Division titles. I know it gets you a home game. I understand that. But it's like, besides that, it's like, 
Yay! You won the division. Who gives a damn? Oh, there's twenty five hundred people in the stands this year. Yeah, I'll agree, but I still don't think the Steelers are all that threatening. I think okay. the Browns are hungry. I think they want to not just make the playoffs. They want to go somewhere and yeah. at least win a game. How sweet would it be for the Browns to knock off their division rivals who they've had to First of all, they're the Browns. Second minutes. of all, they lost to the Jets three weeks ago. Yeah, so but they also hungry are they? Have, they also didn't have any starting wide receivers. Do they need starting wide receivers against the Jets? They I'm couldn't a- run the ball. Nick Chubb couldn't get going against the Jets. You think he's yeah? Because the Jets' rush defense is actually good. Not it's as good the only as the part of the, it's the only part of the Jets team that was actually good this year was their rush defense. And it took a, and it took a lot of casual DFS players about 13, 14 weeks to figure that out. So yeah, yeah that's because oh, they all attack the Jets. Yeah, not on the ground. It's well, for quarterbacks, of how, course how many times ball. do you say, "Oh, they're all for life"? Okay, so attack them in the freaking air. Don't attack right. them on the ground. Just yeah. hey, get any of their four options, whoever they're playing that week, and not go after the stupid run game. People are no. Sells you taking the Browns plus six right now. If you were making the bet, you seem pretty confident. I would. Okay. Hallam is shaking his head. No. Doesn't mean they have to win. If I'm taking the bet against the spread, they can lose by three and I still win. True. I got to pull up my game previews real fast. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, this is what we're talking about here. Very different. Let me go with my weekly matchup report here. (laughs) I love this. The game previews versus the matchup report. These are the perfect two guys to have on the Family Times podcast. This is a big time family affair. Of course, hopefully this game even gets played because of the the outbreak of COVID in in the Cleveland. It looks like it it should be good right now. Yeah. I I got the Steelers 37-24. What do you think, matchup report? 37-25. That's pretty steep. It's pretty steep. I mean... Go big or go home, baby. I guess. But, like, the... I mean, the Steelers, you say you're throwing the ball all over the place. They're actually middle of the road, pass offense-wise. They throw for just about 250 yards a game, which is 15th. The Browns, who you were like, well, they only run the ball, are actually only 20 yards a game behind the Steelers in passing. So not a big difference. In terms of defensive numbers, yeah. I mean, the Steelers get the edge, for sure, on that one. Mm-hmm. But in terms of red zone percentage, they're both pretty good in stopping red zone. The Browns are the most or the third most efficient red zone offense. The Steelers are not that efficient in the red zone. And in terms of shutting down top receivers, the Browns actually ranked fourth against the number one wide receiver in DVOA this year. Well, so, I will say Deontay Johnson missed the first game and then had a pretty decent game. So last I think week. it's actually a pretty decently even matchup. I think people are just going, oh, the Steelers and the Steel Curtain and the Hall of Famers and all that, and the Browns are, well, they've only been there once in 18 years. Okay, right, but that doesn't matter on on Sunday, right? All that matters. I have is, very little faith in Baker Mayfield, really, to come yeah, through you this pressure situation. <laughs> you, you called him, a, you, yeah, you called him an a hole in your time. Man. Of course, you don't have faith in Baker Mayfield. I I feel like the the uh, this. The uh, the moment will be too big for him, his first playoff game. That's how I feel. I love this. We got differences of opinion. I, I was still rolling with the Steelers here, but Sells, I'm telling you this, man. Browns plus six, bro. 
Get on it. Too many State Farm commercials or whatever Mayfield does and not enough playoff experience. (laughs) By the way, guys, I know that Tampa's on the road. You're given any shot. By the way, Baker has a better passer rating this year than Ben Roethlisberger, Mr. I don't trust Baker and Big Ben's all great. It's the playoffs, baby. It's a whole other animal. Okay, I'm just saying that they put up very similar numbers. And Baker's actually got a better passer rating, so yeah. it's it's not like it's a like I don't think it's as much of a blowout potential as some of the other games this weekend. Thirty-seven twenty-four. You put it out there. <laughs> I would take the Browns plus six. Ooh, I like this. I like this very much here. And how? By the way, the total on this forty-seven and a half. You have it going over by. Pretty good amount. Considerable margin. Yeah. And so, by the way, one more stat here. <laughs> Mr. The the Steelers shut down rush defenses or rush offense. No, they don't. Not inside the AFC North. This year, the Steelers have allowed 100, nearly 160 rush yards a game against teams inside the AFC North. Oh, wait. The Browns are in that division, right? Ooh. Yes, they are. That might cause a problem. <laughs> Sells any more stats you want to throw in? <laughs> nope, I'm good. I think I think we're I think we're good. Listen, I could be wrong. The Steelers may win. Not saying the Browns have to win. I'm saying I take them plus six. So even if they lose by less than six, I still win the bet. I don't it's know all. who said this first, but whoever did, I, I kind of like this saying. It's pretty cliche. What is it? Good teams win. Great teams cover. Something like that. There you go. I don't know who said that, but. There's some copyright like out there. You said that, Fancy. I think no, I'm not coining that. I, I'm not going after that one. That is definitely not me. Guys, any hope for the Washington football team or no? no. They're yeah. just what I mean. I mean, rotating quarterbacks. Is I think if Alex Smith plays the whole game, I think they've got a pretty good shot. Really? And by the way, by the way, I want this down for the record that Thursday – before they played the Steelers, I called that the that Washington would knock off the Steelers and be their first <laughs> loss of the season. I, I just think here's what I feel that their problem is: Washington is just not that great at throwing the ball. They're a good run team, and Tampa Bay is the best run defense. I, I just think they're going to struggle. Uh, I think you know they have a very good secondary, but this is as much as I hate to say it. This is Tom Brady in the playoffs. Uh, he just has an embarrassment of riches, uh, whether Mike Evans plays or not. I, I do feel like Evans will be out there, even if he's not heavily involved. Uh, I, I just feel there's too many different options for Brady to throw to. He's very battle-tested. Uh, I know Alex Smith had a couple playoff runs with the Chiefs, uh, but I just think Washington is too young of a team. I know they're at home. I just don't think they have enough experience. Uh, and Tampa Bay is very good at shutting down the run, which I think was going to handcuff Antonio Gibson, which is, you know, I know they have uh, Terry McLaurin and, and Logan Thomas, who has come on strong at the end of the season. Uh, I, I, but I think uh, I think this is Tampa Bay's game. And by the way, I just want to say this regarding strategy in these playoff contests for those that are in one and done contests where you only you it's throughout the entire playoffs naturally and you can only use the player one time and that's it no more no must it tampa's the perfect sprinkle team you want to sprinkle tampa and you want you're going to want one receiver in this first matchup 
Yep. And then you're going to want to do two in the next round because they're they're more. I mean, I'm confident that they're going to beat Washington. I mean, Washington's game plan just scares the crap out of me. And we, especially when I'm reading all that I've read about rotating quarterbacks, major health issues that they've had over the last number of weeks. So that's a good sprinkle team right there because they're you're going to need them for two, maybe three weeks. So you'll put an Antonio Brown in or something like that in this first game. And then you can keep some of the other guys to later. Maybe even someone like a Gronk you burn if you want early with tight end being the crap hole that it is. So in my FFPC playoff team, I I have Logan Thomas at the flex because Tampa is not great against the tight end. They rank 25th in fantasy points allowed. Against the tight end, also, depending on the quarterback, a lot of dump-offs to Logan Thomas are probably going to be coming, so he's going to get some volume, and it's a one-and-a-half point per reception tight end league. So, got to pay attention there. I have Chris Godwin for mm-hmm. the Bucks. That's my play there. A um, couple of points. I'm not saying this definitively that Washington's going to win. I think they can hold their own, and I think it's going to be really close. I will say a couple of points here. One, Tom Brady in his career in the playoffs is one and three against the NFC East, and he's lost three straight. All right. The last team to make the playoffs with a losing record was a seven and nine Carolina team coached by Ron Rivera. They won their first game. So, right. Not out of the question. And this team had, there's something going on with Washington this year. They're, they're rallying around Alex Smith's comeback story. Ron Rivera beating cancer. And that D-line is really impressive. And, and Tampa's offensive line has been kind of hit and miss this year. Um, I don't like Chase Young coming out and backing up that the one quarterback he's wanted to sack in the NFL is Tom Brady. Jeez. And he was running off the field in Philadelphia saying, bring on Tom. It's never a good idea to poke a bear like Tom Brady in the playoffs. But... I think that if you can hit Brady enough and if you can fluster him enough, it knocks off the deep passing timing that they have going in Tampa. The Giants in the Super Bowl showed that twice. Other teams that have beaten Tom in the playoffs have shown that all it takes is to crowd the pocket and hit him to knock him off his game. They have arguably the best defensive line in football right now. So I think it's pretty close. I think it's pretty close. And if you get a hobbled Mike Evans, that puts things a little bit more in Washington's favor, too. Yeah, I don't expect Washington to win, but I agree um, with with what you said. Uh, the way to beat Tom Brady is to hit him in the mouth, uh, to disrupt him at all, uh, because he does not handle that at, at all. You, you know, any, any sort of disruption to what he's used to, any disruption to his pocket, uh, absolutely is uh, is the way to beat him. He's easily, I don't know, say easily rattled, but, you know, smack him around a couple times and he certainly gets off his game. Uh, I, I th- feel like there is uh, a number of weapons that he can throw to. We'll see what Mike Evans, I know he sat out. He, he was in practice yesterday, which was a walkthrough. Uh, I know he didn't practice today, which was an right. actual practice. So we'll see. I don't expect him to have any sort of real impact this weekend, even if he does get on the field. Uh, yes, save him. In one-and-done leagues, You're even if he's active, maybe you want to save him for yeah. another week. Just I mean, let him heal another week. Yeah, Please. I will say that, that you know Washington has been the second-ranked pass, pass defense in DVOA for much of the year. 
they're kind of so-so against number one wideouts, but they're top three against the other wideouts on the field. So if Mike Evans is out there and he's their quote-unquote number one, a hobbled Mike Evans still gives the advantage to to Washington a little bit more because he's not a true, like, at the top of his game right. type play. They're also very good at shutting down uh, red zone attempts from opposing offenses. So they've only allowed a touchdown on just over 50% of the time opposing offenses have made it to the 20 this year. So that's something to, to watch because Tampa hasn't been that great inside the 20 this year. The, the problem is if, if you if you take out Mike Evans, you just put in Antonio Brown, who is, let's be honest, just as good. Uh, you know, nobody have 157 yards and two touchdowns last week. So, they, you know, of course, you know, two options are, are good, three are better, but, uh, you know, Brown is, is will just step right in. Right. Evans They've got a dog. So they don't lose yeah, I'm not a saying lot. They have Evans. no weapons outside of Mike Evans. They're like basically the best deep ball passing team in the one, league right now. Point is one and done leagues. You're saving Mike Evans. Yep. One final thing that we always end every family times podcast with at least the episodes as of late. One thing we're bringing to the family table, guys, as always, we know what this could be, sports or non-sports, and I am going to bring for the family table today, I just want to say the difference between a bust and a miss. For injured players to me, and they don't come through on your team, that's a miss. Sucks. A bust is very different. If you're out for the majority of the season, to me, you are not a bust. You get a pass. You're an injured player. You are put in the purgatory list in a watch list for next year to see where you end up on ADP. If you were an underperformer for most of the year, you are a bust. That's the way I see it. It's been a lot of talk about that in the industry over the last few weeks. I believe Fantasy Alarm Show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Howard Bender, Jim Bowden, we're talking about it a little bit. A poll went up I saw on the SiriusXM Fantasy Twitter handle. And yeah, that's to me, that's my what I think of it. I don't view an injured player who's been out for more, like Christian McCaffrey. He's not a bust. He's a miss. He's not a bust. Okay, because if he was in and when he was in, he was able to produce. But if he's hurt, that's not on him. So how long you could take it from there? Well, I was I had a couple of ideas for this, but I'm going to keep it fantasy football related. And, I, and you you played right into it because it was going to be about fantasy football injuries. So I wanted to talk about four players and see what you guys think about if they if their fantasy value and their and their you know 2021 draft position falls because of their injury. And that's going to be Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Julio Jones, Kenny Galladay. You know, McCaffrey was on IR most of the season, came off and went right back on. Uh, Mixon, Jones, and Galladay, the teams refused to put them on IR and screwed fantasy players for most of the second half of the season. So, one, I, I guess, do you see McCaffrey being drafted in the top three next year? And as far as Mixon, Julio, and Galladay, do you see them taking, you know, dives next year in their ADP because of their injuries this year? Um... I think McCaffrey still goes certainly in the top five. It's possibly goes in the top three. He's just a high volume guy. The system's not going to change. Um, you know, we saw even with Mike Davis in there, they kept going ahead and handing it to the back, throwing the dump off passes. So McCaffrey will still get the volume. Not a problem. To me, Mixon 
I've never been that high on Mixon to begin with. Um, I think a couple things are in play there. One depends on if Joe Burrow's back for the start of the year, which I don't know if he will be given. Not looking good right the now. The injury. Uh, they also, I believe, did they keep their head coach or did they fire? They their kept head? Zach Taylor. They're going to keep him. Yeah, they're going to keep him. So um, I would also say that it depends on what happens with the wide receivers that are that are on the Bengals as well, because you know, without solid wide receivers, you can stack eight in the box and try to stop. Uh, Joe Mixon that way. Julio, I think, is just getting older. The injuries are racking up. Calvin Ridley clearly took the number one spot. It also depends on what they do offensively, what happens with Matt Ryan, you know, whatnot. I think Galladay is safe. He's their only true weapon Detroit has in the passing game. I don't really care what their head coach search looks like. Let's face it, Stafford will be back there. He's going to air it out. So that's how I feel on those four guys. Yeah, and I'm I'm very similar. I think McCaffrey will still go number one in a lot of leagues. I think people will look at some of the other players who have been hurt before, give McCaffrey that forgiveness. I could see myself taking him number one potentially overall. So I'm not putting that out of the realm of possibilities. So, you know, while Sells was saying that he could end up top three, I'm going top three the entire time with him. So You don't think Camaro would be? He He's in there again quarterback is going to be big for that situation too so you know i mean i yeah. don't know that's i mean i'm I not mean, i think is under contract next year if i don't if i remember correctly he signed a two-year deal if i'm remembering correctly but maybe not i mean breeze could retire he could. so he could. it's like so and again that's not stopping me from taking camara but it's well, if Taysom it's, hills back there it will yeah, for 100%. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's the next one. Yeah, regarding right. Julio Jones, I think he's going to be dropping. And a lot of the reason is I think you're going to be seeing a lot of these rookie – Adam Ronis and I were talking about this. A lot of these rookie wideouts are going to start moving up and That's some of these other veterans are going to start to move down a bit. Julio, I think, drops around. Kenny Galladay, I could see. And this is something where if Kenny Galladay's there in the fourth round, I'm taking him. I'm a hundred percent. Put Kenny Galladay as my wide receiver too. A hundred percent. I will take him there every time if he drops. So I'm hoping Ryan, because that's what tends to happen with some of these guys who aren't maybe the top of their position, but for someone like Kenny Galladay, who's next tier down, he'll drop around and that's it. Michael Thomas, by the way, who you didn't mention, how Michael Thomas going to drop him to the second round too. Yeah, I mean that's going to be highly dependent on the quarterback, obviously. Of course, of course. Because if Drew, if Breeze is there, we all know the volume he gets. If it's right. not Breeze, I mean he's still their best weapon, but does the passing game still carry that team like it has with Breeze? Um, I'm going to stick with something similar here, but flip sports, and I'm going to go with baseball. We're coming up on the start of baseball, fantasy baseball draft season. Um, and there's going to be some guys that are going to be hard to judge based off of COVID and the short season last year and, you know, injury history and, and bounce backs and stuff. And a, a guy that I am going to champion here for COVID comebacks is going to be Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton had a terrible 2020 season. He just did. There's no way around it. Um, coming off of a great 2019 season that helped power the Nats to the World Series, and then win it, he had a serious letdown in 2020. Now, a couple of things contributed to that. A, he lost Anthony Rendon hitting behind him. He also didn't have Juan Soto hitting behind him for the first, I don't know, a couple weeks of the season as Soto had COVID. 
the rest of the lineup never stayed healthy, healthy, so he never had a consistent guy hitting around him. The team was out of it, basically, from the get-go. And now this year, he goes back to the south side of Chicago, where he actually had a couple of pretty good seasons for the White Sox before he got traded to the Nationals. And that lineup, no matter where you stick Adam Eaton in that lineup, he's going to be productive. He's probably going to hit in the two-hole. Uh, and that lineup is stacked with talent. Like, they were seriously, they were a serious contender last year. Even if it had played a full season, they would have been a serious contender. So I'm looking at Adam Eaton, who you can get for a pretty good steal right now, as a guy who can be as good as an outfielder three for you, and you can get around an outfielder five right now because his value is way down from a bad 2020 and I still think he's got a couple of good years left. Matt Sells, he's the Schwab of FantasyAlarm.com. And if he says it, get a jump start. Adam Eaton, that's someone that you can get a good value. No rest for the winners. That's what we say for Ryan Hallam. Matt Sells, I'm Justin Fensterman. We always dominate. No other option. We just win. See you next week.